Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 333. With the new year nearly here, I can't help but look forward to cruising in 2020 and what I'd like to do differently. A new year is the perfect opportunity to improve how I cruise, and I've got five ways I hope to change my approach to cruising in 2020. Here we go. Like so many people, I always look for the new year as an opportunity to for ways to improve with the new year, right? New year, new you, all that kind of stuff. And that's not limited to just like lifestyle or things like that. Cruising is part of that. And because I am a cruiser, I look at ways that I could improve in 2020. So this week's episode is all about that. I came up with five things that I hope, think, and pretty sure I'm going to be doing differently in 2020. And I say that because... I'll be honest, it's, you know, you kind of, this is the same reason why it's hard to to lose weight and commit to, you know, uh, exercise programs is that you just end up going back to your old routines and cruising is, is no different than that. And one of the truths I have learned over the years of myself cruising is that I very much get into a routine and it becomes comfortable and I just end up doing that routinely over and over and over again. And sometimes it's fun. And there's some things that actually do work and some things that don't work. And, and other things I'm just looking to improve upon. And I think that's kind of the theme of these five things that I have chosen for this week. So let's start with number one, which is plan shore excursions earlier. And this is something that I recognize I have to change. In the last two cruises I've taken, which were in November and uh, coming up here in December of 2019, for really, I don't want to say the first time, but more consistently, I ran into issues getting the shore excursions I wanted because I waited till last couple of weeks before the sailing in order to book something. One of my mantras was always, I only plan one cruise at a time, meaning I would, you know, if I have five cruises booked, I would only plan the shore excursions, drink packages, what have you, uh, purchases be, when that cruise is the next cruise, right? So I rarely, if ever, look beyond that. Um, Part of it was financial. I didn't want to lay out that much money for cruises that are that far out. And secondarily, uh, I also want, you know, it wasn't really on my radar. I was more focused on what the next cruise I had. It was it held my interest more. And so I was more inclined to spend time on that. But in both the cruise over Thanksgiving that I recently took and my Freedom of the Seas group cruise coming up there, I've probably been burned two or three times by waiting. And so in 2020, my plan is when it comes to at least shore excursions, and I may expand this or I'd like to expand this to other aspects of the cruise, whether it's, you know, shows, entertainment, um, drink packages, etc. But um, I definitely want to plan them ahead of time. I want to start planning more. So as an example, I actually have a couple of cruises coming up in 2020, Brilliance of the Season January, Harmony in March. For Harmony and, and, and Brilliance, um, I've started to look ahead to what I'm looking to book. Heck, even for Alaska in June, I'm starting to now get forcing myself really. And I, and I say that in all seriousness, I am forcing myself to say, okay, I need to sit down and start looking at what's available and, and committing to it. The problem is, honestly, is I think it's the financial hit you take up front, which is one of the best things about booking ahead of time. You help spread out that total cost of the cruise. But if you're talking about multiple cruises, these these things can add up quickly, right? And, and that's the issue more than anything. But, of course, with any pre-cruise purchase you make, especially through Royal Caribbean's website, you can always, you know, cancel and rebook. So if I decide later on I don't want it, you know, I don't have to worry about it. Um, so I've made some purchases already on shore excursions I'm looking to do in the new year. And this is something I'm hoping to change completely in that, you know, there's nothing wrong in some cases for waiting. But if there's something I know I want to do uh, and, and to the point where, you know, not doing it would be a disappointment, 
then I know I have to take that initiative and start booking things. And, you know, now instead of waiting a couple of weeks before the cruise, I can start booking things many months before the cruise. So that's number one thing I want to do. Number two is cruise more often. Uh, you know, and this is something I think we all say that we're going to do, but this year I've, I've actually done that. I've gone ahead, taken that extra step. When I was on Oasis of the Seas for Thanksgiving last month, we, my wife and I made a stop to the next cruise office and I put my money where my mouth is and booked more cruises. Now, um, you know, one of the things, this is going a little behind the scenes here at Royal Caribbean Blog, but I've had the opportunity in the last couple of months to reevaluate my current lifestyle, if you will. And a variety of personal changes occurred, primarily related to my job. And long story short, without making this into a, uh, into a really long story, uh, I, I essentially am now working on Royal Caribbean Blog full time, which is awesome. I love this. This is so cool. Uh, it's so nice waking up in the morning and going downstairs in my office and focusing on what I absolutely love doing, which is Royal Caribbean Blog. And, you know, for a while, I've been doing this since about September or so, although for a lot, for first six to eight weeks of that, I wasn't quite sure that was what I was going to do. But now that I am sure this is what I'm going to do, it occurred to me, you know, I've got now time is not my enemy necessarily. Um, and I'm not looking to go on a cruise like every week. I think that would be overkill. I think moderation is the key with everything in life. And so I want to be able to be able to cruise more. And we looked at opportunities, weeks of the year, uh, vacations, times where it would make sense for our family to go, where in previous years, I might not have been able to cruise at that point because, of course, the you know I didn't have vacation time. Well, now that's changed. And so my hope is I'm gonna be, I want to cruise more often so that there's less gaps, less valleys in that when I get off a cruise ship and I say, oh, I'm back home, my cruise is over, woe is me that I can at least look to the next sailing and not see this ginormous uh, valley of days in between, a little more consistency to it. So that's my hope. And again, I'm not looking to cruise. I, I honestly would tell you, even if I had the opportunity, I don't know that I'd want to cruise like every week or you know two times a month or something like that. It's nice having a little bit of a break, getting back into your routine at home. It gives you a better appreciation for what a cruise has to offer you. But um, I'm hoping to have a little less of that drag a little less of that uh, valley. I know that in the time from my September cruise all the way to Thanksgiving, I didn't have a cruise. Now, I know for most people listening, it says, wait a minute, Matt, are you complaining you didn't have a cruise for six weeks? Like, <laughs> we don't have cruises for six months in our case. I get it. It's all relative. But I'm looking to get past that. And I think all of you listening, or many of you listening anyway, would certainly appreciate the opportunity to cruise more often. Same is uh, true with me here. So I am looking to cruise more often as an opportunity to do just that. And like I said, this one is something that's going to happen. I guess looking at it, I'm curious where what I'll think about this current plan in the end of 2020, about a year from now, and if that worked well or not. But I am looking to cruise more often, and uh, we booked a couple more sailings. It's not saying I didn't like double the amount of sailings I had. Don't don't freak out about that. Uh, but I did add a couple more gaps, primarily in the summertime uh, when the kids are out of school and there's just really no reason not to go. So there you go. Cruising more often is my number two. Number three... Again, something I am doing. This is something I'm more looking forward to because it's already been written in stone for a while now. And that is I'm taking my first cruise to Canada and New England. Now, this is, brace yourself, this is a shameless plug coming your way. But our next Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise in 2020 is going to be Brilliance of the Seas, October 11th, uh, out of Boston, Massachusetts, up to Canada, New England. It's my first time going there. And this is part of why I chose, in fact, I'd say this is a big component as to why I chose this cruise as a Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise. Because 
I wanted to be able to do this itinerary for the first time. You know, now that I've cruised as, as often as I have, look, almost all of it has been in the Caribbean, right? And I'm looking to expand my horizons, offer, do new things there. And obviously if I can expand my horizons with other friends there, that's even better. And so taking my first cruise to Canada and New England is something I'll definitely be doing differently in 2020. You know, I, it's not like you know, I'm going to Mars or something that's going to be, you know, fundamentally different, but it is going to be a little different, you know, in, in the sense that obviously it's going to be a little chillier out. I'm hoping actually, as someone who lives in Florida, I am looking forward to not sweating constantly when off the ship. Uh, but in addition to that, it's, it's a new challenge, new places to visit. I've never cruised out of Boston before. In fact, I honestly don't remember the last time I was in Boston. I, it was probably when I was a kid, you know, maybe when I was a teenager or something like that. Uh, so it's been quite a while. And we're looking, I'm really looking forward to this particular sailing because it's just all new. And when you get a chance to do something that's completely all new, you know, whether, you know, the ship isn't new. Okay, so that's fair. But, you know, I've been on Brilliance before. But, you know, new embarkation port, new itinerary. It is really exciting. It really, I, I think it, it helps reinvigorate that excitement you may have felt when you first started cruising, if you first started cruising in the Caribbean. Uh, and, and I, I kind of got a sense of that with Alaska in 2018. And I'm hoping that it's going to also carry through here with Brilliance of the Seas uh, out of uh, Boston. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a big thing. And going back to point number one, I probably should start looking at excursions. I mean, I'll be honest, October, I probably have a little more time. I don't think I need to be planning excursions more than, geez, six months in advance. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that you want to make sure you take advantage of. So that way you, you're properly planning. I'm not this thing, this is my first sailing there. I want to make sure I have every opportunity to do what I want to do. You know what I mean? All the, the number one choices all come through. So there you go. Combining number one and number three here. Number four, this is something that I've started shifting towards. And I think in 2020, I'll definitely be doing this. And that is relying far more on Royal Caribbean's app than ever before. You know, Royal Caribbean's smartphone app has been something that I would, I would have considered about a year ago to be uh, a nice to have, you know, something like it's cute. It's nice to use every now and then. And, but I think here in 20, the end of 2019 into 2020, Royal Caribbean's app has gone to become essential. I really believe that it, they, Royal Caribbean is slowly packing in more and more functionality to the app uh, to the point where, again, I think it is, it is going to, if it hasn't already, made the leap into critical. You know, it, it's as essential to your cruise experience as certainly the cruise compasses, your set sail pass. I mean, it's a must-do kind of thing. And, you know, from everything I can see, everything I've experienced, uh, the app is, is just is be moving in that direction. And I think in 2020, I will be relying on it far more than I ever have before. I mean, certainly the embarkation process is now dominated by the app. If you have the opportunity to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise in which you have the digital set sell pass, the opportunity to perform the online check-in via the app, and of course, all the functionality the app provides on board the ship, it's a real game changer. It really does make you far more reliant on because I find myself constantly not worrying about carrying the cruise compass, but having the app open, being able to quickly and easily view the activities coming up. And it works so much better. I mean, first of all, I was never one to really carry the paper compass with me. I would always read it the night before in the stateroom, but when I'm out and about, I never carried. Some people do, and, I, and, that, and that's totally cool. But it was just, it's just a lot of cases, it never occurred to me to rip out a copy of that cruise compass from my pocket and then, of course, be able to uh, reference it later on. So in this situation, the app is much more convenient for me. And so I really believe that in 2020, I'll be relying more on Royal Caribbean's app than ever before. 
And the last thing that I'll be doing differently in 2020 on Rail Caribbean is this kind of goes back to my first one, which is I'm going to force myself to do different excursions outside of what I'm used to. As I said before, I'm very much a creature of habit. I like to, I find what I like and I end up doing it over and over and over again because it just works and I enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with revisiting your favorites. But from a short excursion standpoint, I'm trying to take this as an opportunity, especially with my kids getting a little bit older, to branch out a little bit more. And I'm starting to do this already with the Freedom of the Seas group cruise. I'll be talking more about that next week in my Freedom of the Seas cruise preview of what I've got planned. But we were looking at shore excursions, and, I, and I'm really thinking to myself, you know, we don't have to keep doing the same thing. It's not just beach, 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 pool, 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 you know, the same kind of thing. It, there's nothing wrong with doing that. In some ports, I will continue to do that. But if there is an option to do something differently, I'd like to do that. And I'm, my hope is between cruises that go not only to the Caribbean in 2020 that I have booked, but I've got an Alaska cruise. I have the aforementioned Canada and New England cruise as well. Perhaps this is the time for me to, you know, work in a new, more new excursions than I've ever done before. I'm not saying I'm going to be one of those type of people that's going to start doing, you know, the, uh, the, the flow rider and I'm going to go on a bungee cord something and, you know, do all those crazy ones. I don't need to go to those lengths. But I would like to be able to explore more choices and, and just expand my horizons. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. But, you know, I, I think especially with I'm going to bring it back again to my kids. I think because they're getting older and they're also looking for something more that it's the perfect impetus for saying, OK, let's now try to do something different in this. part. like maybe pick one port or maybe even two if it works out. But pick one at least that we can say, OK, this is going to be our adventure day. This is the one we're going to do something just totally different. And that's kind of exciting to me, you know, and I'll be honest, this is goes back to something else I said about the Canada New England is that, you know, when you do something different and you get to ex experience something and discover something you really like, that's different. It really adds a different element to the cruise. Like it, it, it becomes less of the, you know, oh, okay. It was very similar to other things I've done where it's like, wow, we just got to do a lot of cool things. And I think if you find yourself in a situation where you're enjoying what you're doing cruising wise, but you're looking to, you know, maybe uh, discover that that lost, that love and feeling, right? Maybe this is the opportunity to do so. Uh, in addition to obviously trying brand new itineraries and again, short of flying to Australia or uh, Europe or somewhere else where, you know, that would fundamentally shift things. This is a way to kind of spice things up a little bit and do some new excursions. So I'm really trying to force myself to do that um, and, and my hope is that we're going to uh, be able to find things that are going to be of interest to everybody in the family. You know, one of the things I, a tip I've heard for years, but now I think I'm starting to use is, you know, incorporate the kids within the planning process. You know, traditionally when we plan short excursions, my wife and I will probably sit down on the couch. One of us has either their iPad or laptop and we kind of go through the cruise planner and Google around and find something to do there and then inform the children, by the way, this is what we're doing. And what I'd like to start getting more into is allowing them to at least be part of it. I'm not saying that we're going to do whatever they want to do. Gosh, that would be a giant mistake to do. But at least get their, in, their input and get them more excited for it as well because that serves both of our interests there. They're going to be excited for something to do. There's less friction from them in terms of the, oh, why do we have to do this? I mean, as a parent, anybody out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and then for us, it's, it's a good family activity. For me, I've just found as long as we're doing something fun together – that's what I really enjoy. So yeah, that, that's kind of the five things I'll be doing differently in 2020 
on Royal Caribbean. Of course, this podcast is not just about me, it's about you guys as well. So I wanna hear from you. What are some things, whether you have five or just one, What are what's something you're gonna do differently in 2020 on a Royal Caribbean cruise? You can always email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, you can post it in the comments on this week's uh, show episode uh, over at royalcaribbeanblog.com. But I'm, I'm curious what you're gonna do differently in 2020. Heck, I might even steal one of your ideas if it's good enough for me. Uh, there's, I think there's always an opportunity to improve. And when it comes to cruising, I think there's so many choices out there. It's very easy to simply, you know, do the same thing and, and, and follow your own cruise habit. But, but if you can branch out from it, I think you can greatly benefit. All right, time to answer some of your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where it's all about you, or at least you that sent in emails, where we answer the emails you've sent in. You can always send me your emails by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And today's our first email is from John in San Antonio. Writes, my wife and I took our first cruise seven years ago. We recently were married and had a great time. Uh, well, two kids later, we were we were finally made it back to cruising and settled on an Enchantment of the Seas this past July. We had an amazing time, and I've been wanting to get back on board. We loved Enchantment's size, not too big, but it didn't feel small either. Ever since you've been talking about Coco Key, I've been dying to go there. The problem has been it's hard to find sailings out of Galveston there, and it's too expensive to fly to Florida. Well, recently I saw a sailing with stops in Key West, Nassau, and Coco Key. I decided to go with MEI Travel and was able to YOLO book a sailing for June 2020. Shout out to Kelly with MEI Travel, who is awesome. Here's my question. My travel agent mentioned that there's an excursion company who MEI can book with. Have you had any experience booking with this company or do you only recommend booking excursions to Royal Caribbean only? Thanks in advance. So excited to be booked and counting down the days to back on Enchantment of the Seas to head to the Bahamas. John, thanks for the email. And first and foremost, thank you for supporting our sponsor, MEI Travel. I've been using MEI for a long, long time. They are a sponsor, and obviously I need to mention that from a disclosure standpoint, but I really do stand behind what they do. I think they do an excellent job and John, it really means a lot to me that you're supporting um, Royal Caribbean Blog in that manner. I, people ask, how do I support the blog? And there's two ways you can do that. You can support our sponsors by booking all your cruises through MEI Travel. And in addition to that, of course, becoming a Royal Caribbean Blog insider. Um, and sorry, this didn't mean become a shameless plug for everything that I do. But uh, if you want, for more information about an insider, uh, it's at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support. But I want to get back to your question here um, about the company. Yes, I have used uh, the tour company that MEI is referring to, but in general, I'm gonna expand your question is that there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with booking shore excursions through third parties. I would say it's actually a mistake to limit yourself to excursions just through the cruise line, whether it's Royal Caribbean or any other cruise line. I, I think that's a mistake. And the reason why I say it's a mistake is you're limiting yourself to the available options that are out there. Uh, first and foremost, there are other tours available. Second of all, in a lot of cases, it can be somewhat cheaper to book on your own. Um, in the Caribbean, the price difference is usually negligible. In Alaska or Europe, it's far more uh, noticeable. But no, I wouldn't limit yourself to just what Royal Caribbean has to offer. You can certainly start there and look at it. Nothing wrong with booking through the cruise line either. But I, I think that when it comes to booking excursions, I would say, at least in the Caribbean, 
75% of the excursions and tours I do are on my own or through a third party, right? Not through Royal Caribbean. So definitely go with it. I don't think you have any problems there whatsoever. Thank you, John, for the email. Our next email comes to us from Jason Peterson from Orlando, Florida, who writes to me, Hi Matt, I wanted to share my recent experience on my Western Caribbean cruise on Harmony. I apologize if this is so long. Feel free to edit for the length of the podcast. In fact, I will, and I apologize to Jason for having to do that, but he wrote some excellent information. Jason, if I were you, I would just copy and paste your email you sent to me and post it on the message boards at royalcaribbeanblog.com. But I want to highlight a couple of different things he mentioned here. Uh, Jason writes, I had cruised for about two years previously on Oasis of the Seas, but this was my first time on Harmony. We had 11 in our group that were cruising together. I was blown away by how much nicer it was, especially some of the decor in the general areas and staterooms. It felt le far less sterile, less plain white metal paneling, and just overall more warm and inviting. Let's get to the most important thing, the food. The main dining room was great. We had an excellent server and head waiter. The warm cookie dessert topped with the ice cream was especially memorable. There were several vegetarian op vegetarians traveling in our group, so we requested the vegan menu for additional options. The head waiter was able to get us the vegan options by pre-ordering them for the following night's dinner service. There were some hits and misses on the menu, but overall, the extra options were welcome. My wife and I were gonna book either Wonderland or 150 Central Park for one night, but we were offered a deal and went to both. We were offered the Chops plus one package and didn't require us to go to Chops for $84 each plus gratuity. Both the restaurants were new to us and we enjoyed each greatly. We have, we, you have to try the fried cheesecake at 150 Central Park. My wife wouldn't share with me so I had to get a different dessert and was forced to order a second dessert as a result. Wonderland was a great experience. We took our seven and 10 year olds with us and they enjoyed it too. The shows were also very good. The highlight was the Aqua Theater Show Fine Line. It was such an amazing performance and production value. We also enjoyed the Ice Skating Show. Columbus the Musical was quirky and potentially could have been shorter, but the performers were great. Uh, we also did the escape room with nine of us, and there was a couple who booked with us as well. We were successful in escaping in the time, uh, in part due to an excellent team that knew each other's strengths and also a very good moderator who nudged us in the right direction. Uh, we really enjoyed the ports of calls as well. Coco Key was amazing. I'd been there in July and Mariner, but this is my first time to the water park. Three of us went there and the other eight of us chilled at the pool cabana for the day. The water park was a lot of fun. The highlights were for the views from the water slide towers and the slingshot ride in Daredevil's Peak. I may have screamed a little on the drop slide, dueling demons, but the anticipation was probably the worst part. I thoroughly enjoyed the crispy chicken sandwiches from the snack shack and the taco buffet with the fresh tortillas. In Cosmel, we booked a snorkeling surgeon through a local tour company and we were able to get a private boat due to the group of 11. It was a great experience. It goes to Maya. We, my family of four went to Maya Cham. The worst part was the long walk through the port and the long pier. I didn't even mind the bumpy cab ride that much. Uh, Maya Chan had fresh and tasty Mexican food. I think I'm becoming a convert to the thick Mexican style chips. The guacamole and pico de gallo shortly after arriving was so good. The seagrass was under control in the beach area, but there were workers cleaning up the stacks to sides all day. The level of service was so good that I almost felt bad by telling them I didn't need anything sometimes and they came around to check us frequently. They even came out to guests in the water to check on them. My wife and I took turns getting a massage at a very affordable price. We were sad when it was time to return to the ship. In Roatan, I had arranged private journey excursion for our group of 11. We had a passenger van with the driver and guide. We were able to see iguanas and elsewhere, a stop to see monkeys and held a sloth, another stop for, sh for shopping at a local craft market and chocolate factory shop and finally a glass bottom boat tour of the reef. Because of the private tour, we were able to move at our own pace and move through some quick, some things quicker or take more time in other areas. In all, it was about a five hour tour that was less expensive than trying to book multiple excursions that would have required to see all these things. Overall, too much to see and do in one week. We enjoyed ourselves so much, we might have to YOLO book a future Harmony cruise or do a back-to-back -back on a future cruise. Jason, this is awesome, dude. 
I actually read far more than I thought I was going to in your email because it was that good, my friend. And I'm really interested about what you did in Roatan. So Jason took advantage of something called Private Journeys. If you're not familiar with this, we've done some blog posts, and I've mentioned on the podcast as well, at royalcrimblog.com. Uh, private Journeys is a private shore excursion option through Royal Caribbean. So traditionally, if you wanted to do a shore excursion on your own, you had to book it on your own. Go find some, find a tour guide, vet them on your own, do it all on your own, right? Well, Royal Caribbean said, well, we got to get in on that. And they offer something called Private Journeys. And I've done Private Journeys in Belize and Curacao and absolutely loved it every single time. And it sounds like you had an amazing time there in Roatan doing a variety of things. And the, the key there is with the line here, um, where Jason writes, because of the private tour, we were able to move at our own pace and move through some things quicker or take more time in other areas. And this is exactly what I love about private journeys. It allows you to move at your own pace. Well, group shore excursions where you go and traditionally, you know, a traditional shore excursion are nice and certainly priced well. The problem is you're always moving at the group's pace. And it always, I always feel like we're just moving so slow and always slower than I want to. And of course, if there is something I want to see, well, inevitably you're always wondering, oh, geez, am I that guy who's holding everybody up, right? So yeah, those are more hit or miss. But Private Journeys really allows you to make the tour all about you. And, you know, I, I love it. I think it's a fantastic thing. Uh, I encourage more people to check it out because I think that it's something that's uh, not really well known, quite frankly. And on top of that, a really uh, powerful option. It's not the cheapest option, but to Jason's point, depending on the size of your group and what you want to do, you may actually end up doing better with that than if you were trying to do things on your own or booking multiple excursions. So thank you, Jason, for the email. Next, we have an email from Ashley Lewis. Right, so first things first, I want to say thank you for the recommendation of Leo Brown and St. Martin. He was amazing. He took my husband and I around the entire island, or at least felt that way, and I think we saw a lot of places that are off the beaten path. It was a great experience. My husband and I are sailing again over Thanksgiving 2020 on Explorer of the Seas, nine nights in a balcony room on Deck 7. And we're going to the ABC Islands as well as Labadee. I visited Labadee back in 2007, but I'm sure things have changed quite a bit since then. I've been doing some research and looking at the cruise plan to try to get an idea of what's available. We've been to Coco Key twice before and after Perfect Day, and both times we reserved the beach bed, which we absolutely loved. This time, we're thinking about reserving a cabana. We're looking at the beach cabanas at Nellie's Beach, not the over-the-water waterfront, just the regular beach ones. All the cabanas in this location seem to have a more upscale vibe based on pictures and videos on the cruise planner. Do you know if there's a private area similar to the beach bed on Coco Key? Also, we don't have children and don't really care about a lot of noise activity. What are your thoughts? Ashley, thanks for the email. So the cabanas are a more upscale experience than the beach beds. There are beach beds at Labadee, last I checked. They're over on Adrenaline Beach, if you're like that. I'll be honest, I've never, well, I haven't stayed in a beach bed. I greatly prefer a cabana number one, a beach bungalow number two, uh, because they offer far more privacy. I like the level of service that are there, and I like the amount of shade they provide. That's a big part of it there. And... Um, it's the nice thing about the beach cabanas and Nellie's Beach is Nellie's Beach is a public beach. So anybody can go there, but obviously your cabana is a private spot. So, you know, you don't care about children or other people. That's totally cool there. And I think you're going to love it. I've done the beach, the regular beach cabanas at Nellie's Beach. I think they're fantastic. They're situated in the back of the beach. There's three types of cabanas at Nellie's Beach. There is the beach cabanas. There's the waterfront cabanas and there's the over the water. So the... The beach cabanas are basically in the back of the beach. So if you're sitting in your cabana, you will see the entire beach in front of you. And it's probably, I mean, the walk to the water is, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, a couple yards. I mean, it's really not that far, right? 
if you have a waterfront cabana, then it's right on the water, so you basically the water comes up to there. Although that being said, I'm not sure if there are waterfront cabanas in Nelly's Beach or Barefoot Beach. Barefoot Beach is the sweets only beach, but anyway, doesn't matter. And then the last type is the over the water cabanas, which are those ones that are on the rocks and they're a little more secluded from the beach area. Obviously, um, the beach cabanas are the cheapest, followed by ocean, ocean front, whatever you want to call it, and then over the water cabanas are the most expensive. So. You're paying for that privacy. But I think the ones in the the, beach, the regular beach ones are fantastic, great value. And I would tell you this, Ashley, do not hesitate to book those things. I absolutely love them. If you like the beach beds, you're going to love, love the cabanas. They're amazing there. So enjoy that, Ashley. Thank you so much for the email. Next email is from Matt Kaisers and family who writes, uh, Matt thought I would share a review of our week over Halloween on Harmony of the Seas. What a trip, but first, I'd like to thank you for all the information you provided for my family over the blog, podcast, and various Facebook, YouTube videos and discussions. We could not have had a more pleasurable vacation without your insight. My family of four cruise out of Port Canaveral on October 27th on a Harmony of the Seas with the agenda to stop at Perfect Day, Coco Key, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and St. Thomas over seven days. It's a big ship. We didn't get to do all of it, but didn't enjoy it. I wish I had found to see more of the live music. Halloween was a big spectacle with more than half the ship getting dressed up for Halloween. They had trick or treat, scavenger hunt for the kids, and a lot of cruisers brought their own candy to give to kids that were dressed up, which was really kind and sweet. The whole family enjoyed a tour of the kitchen with a special brunch on day six that was offered at a very discounted price one night in the dining room, which is really neat to experience. Here are some questions and general comments I have for you to discuss in your podcast, if you so choose. Number one, I was happy I didn't have to use guest services for any questions. The lineup seemed to be long all the time. Matt, is that a trend you notice? Uh, the line for guest services definitely does exist. It, there's an ebb and a flow to it. But a lot of people just simply go there, Matt, because that's their go-to. Let's get an answer for something. And I feel like Royal Caribbean has done a better job of trying to mitigate those lines. I know when I was on Oasis of the Seas, while there was usually a line for guest services, there was always at least like one guest service person who was walking around the line to answer like, okay, what are you in line for? Because in a lot of cases they can be answered quite quickly. You know, people are asking, you know, where is this? Where is that? How do I do this? As opposed to like, there's an actual problem and you guys need to look at my account or something like that. I mean, there's going to be a line. I think the, I think it varies obviously on the ship, but Yes, I have seen lines. I wouldn't care. I mean, the first day and last day are always the worst lines. Like, if you can help it, do not go to guest services on the first day of your cruise or the last day because it just seems everybody goes there. Wait it out. And if all else fails, always go during dinner times because nobody's in guest services at dinner time to wait in line there. So another tip for you. So yeah, it definitely, you're not seeing a, a, a anomaly, if you will. Number two question from Matt is, I don't know if the WoW bands are worth buying. I still need my C-Pass card for dropping and picking up the kids up for Adventure Ocean. As well, you often had to remove your WoW band for purchasing drinks or participating in some activities, which included the water slides on board, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, you know, the WoW bands, here's what I'll say. I like the idea of the WoW bands. I primarily use them just to open my door because it's just so much more convenient than digging in my pocket for the C-Pass card. I will be the first to admit I don't feel Royal Caribbean truly utilizes them very well. I think they were implemented and it was like, hey, this is really cool. Can't wait for them to, you know, fully take advantage of it. And they really never did. To your point, there's a lot of cases where it's like, okay, please sir, take off your wow band and give it to me so I can go scan it at the thing where they should have been investing in mobile readers and devices to make it a whole lot easier. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of, that, that you're not wrong in that. I still like it. I mean, first of all, if you already bought the wow band, well, now you can reuse it on future cruises, no additional cost. So for five bucks, I think it's fine. You know what I mean? And lastly, Matt writes, the crew of the ship for the most part was polite and willing to help 
but didn't seem that happy and outgoing always. The cruise director was amazing, outgoing and very pleasant throughout the day. The main dining room staff were excellent, but the cooking staff seemed tired. Stateroom attendants were very pleasant and helpful. Sports activity staff seemed fun and engaging. Windjammer staff did not seem happy along with uh, about half the bartenders and most of the lifeguards. You think it's the long hours? Do you think they are paid and tipped appropriately? Are these patterns you haven't noticed? Um, I wouldn't say it's a pattern I've noticed. I mean, look, some people are gonna have good days, some people have bad days. They live on a cruise ship, it's the nature of it. I do think that they do well with it, and I think that the service industry is going to be taxing on anybody. I think there are always gonna be rock stars, there are gonna be people who are going to rise above it. You'll see this and you'll notice it when you run into a waiter, a activity staff member, uh, you know, a performer, somebody on the on the cruise ship, you say, wow, this person not only is helpful, but really, you know, is enjoying what they do there. And for some people, this is a job and they're doing it and they're certainly, you know, not not disrespectful or mean-spirited, but maybe they're not exactly, you know, ear-to-ear uh, -ear smile on there. I get that. Um, I think those people are far more the exception than the rule. And I feel like in general, it, they do a pretty good job. I mean, you rattled through a number of crew members who seem very pleasant and helpful, happy, outgoing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that when it comes to the crew members, you interact with the most, like the lifeguards, I don't care if they have the biggest scowl on their face possible. The, I only care that they're looking to make sure no one's drowning. Like <laughs> you don't have to look like, you don't have to be the, the life of the party. Just make sure you're taking care of that, right? The guy who's flipping eggs in the windjammer, again, as long as he's doing his making eggs and he doesn't have to strike up a conversation with me. You know what I mean? Like that's not important, but there are roles that I think are important. Sarah attendant, number one, cruise activity staff, cruise director, people you interact with, I think it's it's more important. I think also, if and I don't know this for a fact, but I think they play, they, Royal Caribbean, places more an emphasis on personality in these roles because that is what guests look for there, as opposed to the lifeguard or the, the guy flipping eggs in the windjammer, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I guess it's it's one of those things where uh, it's a fair observation, but I don't think it's uh, some like a pattern or necessarily always what you can expect. There have been some fantastic servers in the Windjammer, people that really went the extra mile to get my daughter juice or, you know, investigate if the certain food could be prepared differently. It's incredible, really, the amount of crew they employ on any given ship. Then, then you factor that across the fleet and, you know, they do an amazing job with training with it. And I, I've always been pretty darn happy with it. And, and I'm happy to say that the people I've interacted with, crew member-wise, the, the, the happy, Pleasant folks are certainly the vast, vast majority of, of whom my interactions have been with. So, Matt, thanks so much for the email. Really appreciate it. We have time for one more email here. And that is me coming to us from uh, Catherine Dewberry, who writes, Love, love, love your podcast. I look forward to it every Wednesday. It just makes me smile when I'm at work and realize I have a brand new podcast for you to listen to. My husband and I are going on our first cruise on Harmony of the Seas, and we're celebrating 20 years together. Our anniversary was in May this year, but we chose this particular sailing because of the weather, price, and that most of the kids will be in school, not that we don't love kids. I have a question regarding the main dining room. We do have a three-night specialty dining package, but on nights we eat in the main dining room, we were thinking it'd be nice to have a table for two, perhaps near a window, or maybe a window is not necessary since we have late night dining. Don't know what the time sets in, sun sets in the Caribbean. Is this something I should request now or wait until we get on board and see the maitre d'. Catherine, thanks for the email. I would say do both. There's nothing wrong with making a request. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. You should do that, Catherine. But when you get on board the ship, speak to the maitre d'. I will tell you, speak, sitting next to the window, especially late seating, is useless. You're not gonna see anything out the window because it's dark outside and the amount of light inside makes it virtually impossible to see much outside your window. So um, unless your cruise ship is doing a really late night stop in a port 
and you can see lighting, you're not going to see anything for dinner time. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. And um, but a table for two, certainly, absolutely, you're, you should definitely request that if that's what you like to do. Uh, and they're pretty accommodating about that. I think you shouldn't have much of an issue of making that happen. But again, make the request beforehand, and then once you're on board, embarkation day, go after about one o'clock down to the main dining room, and there's usually a, a maitre d or somebody set up there to take requests and. Heck, I mean, before you even do that, you could just look on your bottom of your CPAS card. It will list your table assignment and deck, and you can check it out for yourself. So there you go. Thanks to everybody for this episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks to the emails there. Hopefully, we answered some of your questions. And if we didn't, oh my goodness, well, send me an email. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon. <laughs>